Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to RSI Help Radio. I'm Deborah Quilter and RSI Help Radio is dedicated to bringing you the best news and information about repetitive strain injury. So here's a question for you. If you wanted to improve a movement, let's say your tennis serve, what would you do? You might hire a coach, and that coach would probably drill you on the exact placement of your hand on the racket and the angle of your elbow, and you would practice doing a serve over and over and over. And maybe you have problems with a certain aspect of that serve, and your coach keeps telling you to do something better, but no matter how hard you try, your habitual way of serving keeps coming back. In fact, the harder you try, the worse you seem to get. So then, you find yourself entering the world of Feldenkrais, a sensory education method. Instead of practicing your tennis technique, holding your racket, you make some gentle movements lying on the floor, and the movements are within an easy, pleasurable range of motion. You're not straining or trying too hard. And the lesson might involve, say, the rotation of your spine or the movement of your pelvis or even the placement of your feet. And when the lesson is over, you stand up feeling taller and more coordinated and overall pretty wonderful. So just for fun, you swing your racket. And this time you do it perfectly. It feels like your racket is an extension of your arm. So what happened to make this efficient, pain-free movement so easy? Here to explain the Feldenkrais method is San Francisco-based Feldenkrais practitioner Cliff Smith. Cliff came to the Feldenkrais method after experiencing his own repetitive strain injury and has worked with many people who have RSI over the past many years at the Feldenkrais Center for Movement and Awareness in San Francisco. And Cliff is currently working on a Ph.D. in mind-body medicine. So it's with great pleasure that I bring Cliff Smith on to RSI Help Radio. Welcome, Cliff. Thanks, Deborah. Thanks for the introduction. I'm glad to You're be here. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I'm starting with a big, giant question, and I know it's probably a lot more complicated than we want to get into, but could you just give our listeners a brief explanation of what the Feldenkrais Method is and how it's done? Yeah, so it, it's kind of one way of describing it is to think of it as a, a method of sensory motor education that <clears throat> as as uh, babies and infants uh, and even as adults, we uh, learn how to do things, that there's this kind of practical know-how of using the body. And as you said in your introduction, there's various ways of, of improving the how of how we do things. Um, in uh, on in a movement level and uh, and our action in the world so um to learn how to do things you have to do them the Feldenkrais method use one of the modalities that we use is called awareness through movement and the idea is as you described in the introduction you're lying on the floor usually and making small exploratory movements in order to kind of generate the information, the experiential information of the body that the the body and the nervous system can make use of then to change our patterns and habits of movement and make movement more efficient, 
uh, more comfortable, uh, less painful. So it's, um, it uses exploratory learning rather than that kind of directive model that you were talking about of a correct way to do things. <clears throat> Knowing that, so it's um, not a drill and kill. No, it's, it's not, not a drill, a drill and, kill and kill at all. Uh, yeah, no, it's more uh, 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 a little bit of challenge in terms of, oh, you know, what do I do with my foot when I when I push into the foot? How how is my arm connected? You know, to my shoulder, to my ribs, to my spine, and and down to the foot. Um, so it's it's really. Uh, creating these little situations, these little experiments, if you like, in which you make movements and pay attention to how you're moving and then, and then sense for yourself what uh, is more comfortable. Now, the interesting thing is the nervous system is so much more powerful than our conscious awareness. So a lot of the learning can go on just by your nervous system feeling the connections in the body, feeling, oh, this in this way my arm feels more supported, there's more support of the skeleton. Oh, here I can use these big muscles to, to, to make this movement. And then the small muscles can be left to make those fine, very precise uh, uh, movements. So... Uh, there's a whole lot of learning that goes on, we assume, and we're starting to get a little bit of research on a, on a neurological level, on using that incredible capacity of the brain and the nervous system to sense things and to organize the movement in the background. Um, so some of the change occurs that way, and then some of the change occurs because you're consciously exploring and sensing things. Some of the change occurs in, oh, look, uh, when I bring my left arm up, the ribs go along and support and I can breathe into the left side of my chest, for example. And when I lift my, my right arm, my chest feels like iron. It's like, oh, if I mm -hmm. move my, my, my ribs on the right, I could move my right arm more easily, you know, for example. So it's some of the things then can be really like, uh, things that you can remember to do to notice in yourself. Oh, if I breathe more into mm -hmm. the right side of my chest, then then my arm does better, you know. And why do you think this is so effective for people with RSI? Right. I mean, I think there's a number of things. One is, you know, a lot of people with RSI are doing uh, sedentary jobs, sitting at computers, where the body, the bulk of the body is still all day and they having to find ways to support their arms and your muscles get fatigued if they don't get moved a lot there's a phenomenon called static loading where it's hard for the body to move the blood through limbs that aren't moving um, so I think finding ways you know what's the role of the skeleton the role of the skeleton is to really support the rest of the body without muscular effort it's it, it's what helps us feel light if it's really doing its job so if we can find ways to organize to use the skeleton to support the whole body and the hands and the arms that will reduce the fatigue in the in the muscles of the shoulders and the back and the neck and the arms the arms mm -hmm. themselves won't have to work so hard to hold themselves up um, so that's one big thing is it reduces muscular fatigue which can then you know, also um, lead to less, you know, build up of, of, of the byproducts of metabolism in muscles, so they're not mm -hmm. as achy and sore and prone to inflammation. Um, 
and um, you can use the big muscles as they're needed for for the work of holding us up and moving us around, and the small muscles for the for the fine work. So, so that's that's kind of one level. Mm-hmm. And then if you think of, yep. Yeah, what what kind of feedback of, yeah. people give you when you've given them uh, a Feldenkrais lesson? What sort of remarks do people with oh, RSI yeah. okay. make? Yeah. Well. I forgot to mention so far that we also have another modality for doing Feldenkrais, which is called uh, functional integration, where somebody lies uh, fully clothed on a kind of low table so they feel safe and comfortable, and the practitioner moves them in very precise ways. And the intention, like in the classes, is to kind of shift some of the habitual patterns of movement and the, the holding in the muscles, and that kind of thing. Um, and so after those lessons, I mean, people often report having less pain. They yeah. often report in both modes, awareness through movement and functional integration, uh, that their their hands and, and fingers and arms are warmer, that there's been a change in the, in the circulation. Um, and they often feel kind of lighter and their arms feel less fatigued and more supported. They're, they're the kind of things I hear most. Mhm. Yeah. And then I think there's if you think that if you're organizing your body in a in a more efficient way then some of the wear and tear that can occur at joints and in tendon sheaths that can cause inflammation some of the irritation to the nerves is also reduced if you know if there's not a uh, a bend at the wrist that that's That's totally true. Oh, yes. Tunnel. I mean oh, yeah. posture is really key in terms of preventing repetitive strain injury and the computer itself draws the head forward mm-hmm. and very often the spine isn't properly supported so there's instead of 12 pounds there's now 36 pounds of weight hanging from the the shoulders the neck and shoulders and um yes I'm really glad you brought up that point about uh how there's less wear and tear when the the bones are in proper alignment. And would you like to say anything else about that, Cliff? Yeah, I think I mean posture is key, and it's also dynamic, right? So gravity is continually mm-hmm. pulling us down. Gravity sucks, uh, so we're constantly <laughs> having to find ways. Gravity is to, the law. Yeah, gravity is a law too, um, and and so we're constantly having find finding ways to try and and hold ourselves up. So. If we're not well aligned through the skeleton and the muscles are having to work harder, then the muscles get fatigued and then we Mm -hmm. slump. And as you said, then with the computer uh, and screen pulling our arms forward and our face and head and eyes uh, forward, then the amount of work that's required in the muscles in the back and the shoulders is even higher. So... So then it's harder to maintain the posture because the muscles are fatigued. And um, so what Feldenkrais can do is really help you get a felt sense, a real bodily sense for yourself. So not like looking at the diagram in the economics book, which are handy. Yeah. You know, they're handy as, as, uh, as places to, to get an image of what uh, well-supported 
posture or body organization would look like, but you actually get a felt sense of, oh, if I go there, then Mm -hmm. my sitting bones are supporting my pelvis, are supporting my spine, and my head can be light and my arms can be light and free. Um, And then that becomes your kind of uh, reference point, like, oh, I can go back and find that kind of more neutral, easy, light, skeletal support uh, rather than trying to kind of think through, okay, this joint has to be at this angle and this joint has to be at that angle because we all have unique bodies and unique uh, body lengths and unique joints and we even have histories of injuries. So how can I be most supported and comfortable in this moment? That's what we're looking for people to find through doing Feldenkrais lessons. And I think very often when people attempt, um, like the example of trying to learn tennis by imitation, you know, looking at the photograph instead of the felt sense that you're just talking about, it fails, I think. Um, you don't. You have a sense of rigidity and am I doing this right? And I think people stop breathing, actually, <laughs> because they're so nervous about getting it right mm-hmm. rather than being in tune with right. the 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 sense of freedom, the sense of lightness, the sense of being at one, um, and having your body move in a stress free uh, stress free way. Yeah, that's really a very important part of the learning. And then, if you can learn to uh, sense your body with more precision, then you also start to notice the first signs of uh, fatigue. You know, the first signs of uh, tightness and, and uh, where you're overusing uh, muscles. And then if you're in a place where you can change that, if you're in a situation where you can find the way, you know, to take the break and go to the bathroom or or do some other work activity or, you know, in an ideal working place, have a rest or leave that kind of work for the day, um, mm-hmm. then so I think the developing that felt sense, a more precise felt sense of, how things feel in the body and how your body feels. Um, And, you know, feeling for the feeling of what's comfortable is a skill. So if you learn to feel for those feelings of what's comfortable and safe uh, for you, then you can use that tool to help prevent injuries or prevent injuries getting worse. So so learning, you know, when to rest is a really uh, another important outcome of doing something like Feldenkrais. I have had uh, Feldenkrais lessons, and um, of course I'm a practitioner myself, so one of the revelations to me was this um, sense of the uh, tentativeness. You know, you're, let's see how it feels just at the very beginning of this movement, mm-hmm. not taking it all the way and not using yeah. effort. And that to me was an absolute revelation and i'm just wondering if you've had the same experience with people when they finally understand oh i just passed the speed bump or oh i pushed myself too far and that's when the pain started and if i had just stayed underneath it wouldn't have triggered the pain do you find that people have that same aha moment Absolutely, yeah, and and it surprises people because the dominant cultural paradigms are if there's a problem, you need uh, strength, 
right? Mm-hmm. Or you need to kind of stretch to to uh, increase the flexibility. And, and stretching has its place in a whole program to ensure the connective tissue is, is flexible and all of that. But finding out, see, there's a, there's a law uh, in um, biomechanics or biophysics called the Fechner-Weber law, named after mm-hmm. a couple of old German scientists way back in two centuries ago now. And uh, they discovered that uh, if you use more effort, then you have less sensitivity to how much effort you're using. It also applies to the perception of light and, and sound as well. Um, really? So, yeah. So how much light there is, if it's strong light, then it's harder to tell the difference in the increase and decrease in the, in the light, and same with sound. So with the muscular uh, effort, um, uh, if you're using more effort, then it's hard for you to sense how much effort you're using and therefore what's the the right amount of effort. So uh, doing the lessons, the Feldenkrais lessons where we go small, then you can sense, get a greater sense of how much effort you're using. And the mm-hmm. other surprise I think is the whole pattern of a movement in the nervous system is at the very beginning of the movement. So you don't have to make the whole movement and go to the end of the range if you think about changing the pattern of movement, if you think about strengthening, then sure. But if you think about, I just want to find a way to change how I do this so it's more comfortable, then you can do that at the very beginning of the movement, which is great for people with, with pain. Say, say somebody listening to the show has gotten to pain already, then uh, not having to go big and make a big movement and strain, but actually learning how to go small and easy can really help you know, not trigger off the pain and also help you in that moment and also help you to learn how not to trigger off the pain in an ongoing way. It's so counterintuitive, or maybe counter our culture. Um, mm-hmm. I think when we were talking earlier you had mentioned um, something about how we do, 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 mm-hmm. uh, and this emphasis on doing. I don't know whether it was a study that you had yeah. read. Uh, maybe you can remember and talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, this was a, a qualitative study of, of uh, Feldenkrais method and back pain. And one of the interesting things was that some people had had back pain for up to 30 years. So it was people who had back pain from 18 months to 30 years. Um, and the Feldenkrais method helped them with the pain, which is great. But they also commented that they realized that they needed to take care of themselves. And sometimes that meant actually kind of taking a stand against this culture of do, 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 and more, more, more uh, that's in the whole culture and in workplaces. And, and not to say that's easy or even easily possible for some people. I, um, you know, living in San Francisco, you know, I work with a lot of people in the tech industries and the expectations are very high. But notwithstanding that, one of the things people commented on this study was that they really had to learn to uh, be and think counter to that culture of of more, 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 and instead really start to listen to their body and and what it needed. So so that seemed to be an important outcome is, is a shift in the attitude to 
really having to put and wanting to put more value on their own bodily felt experience and how they could maximize their comfort and ease and reduce their pain. You know, speaking of back pain, you also said that there's a high rate of back pain among people with RSI and talked about how people are challenged just to sit comfortably and because they're not, they're not able to support their arms and hands properly. And I wonder if you'd like to talk a little bit more about that. I mean, back pain is a very uh, prevalent phenomenon in, in society. <clears throat> but I I would say, you know, in 20 years of, of Feldenkrais practice, sorry, almost 25 years of Feldenkrais practice now, I may have had one client with a his, that didn't have a history of back pain who who came to me for help with a repetitive strain injury. Wow. So um now it could be chicken and the egg doing sedentary jobs can lead contribute to to back pain but many very often people had a history from a motor vehicle accident or a lifting injury or a sports injury or something that gave them back pain mm-hmm. earlier in their life and then and then they're working long periods of time using their hands and arms and fingers repetitively and and um so i, I have to think that uh, the 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 any injury or, or to the back you know probably impairs its functioning and again makes it harder to find that support for the for the arms and the hands that we've been talking about. In my experience, very often people complain about uh, thoracic, you know, pain between the shoulder blades. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people uh, talk about pain there. Um, and I'm wondering if you've had similar experience of, or if you find that more people have low back pain um, because, of course, sitting in and of itself can lead to um, back pain. Yeah, I, I think both. I think if I'm thinking of people with a, a earlier history of back pain way before the repetitive strain injury, then it's more likely to have been low back stuff. But then people who have current repetitive strain injury often also have you know quite a, a bit of quite common to have upper back, mid back pain, and if you think that the muscles of the shoulder blades particularly attach mm-hmm. all along to the thoracic spine, the, the spine where the ribs are attached, then um, then you know I'm really thinking that the use of the arms is is you know putting quite a bit of extra demand on that part of the of the spine, and um, and so often people aren't. Um, they're sort of caved in in the front. They're not. Their shoulders aren't open, and uh, their shoulder blades are not well placed when they're using the computer. Right. Uh, I mean, that's that also, I think, plays into it. But when people yeah. come to you, Cliff, um, I'm sure that one of the first questions you might get would be, "How long does it take uh, before you feel better?" And um, right. How do you answer that question for people who are coming yeah. to you for help with their repetitive strain injuries? Right. I mean, I think with Feldenkrais lessons, I'm I'm really hoping that they may get some relief of, of pain and and tightness uh, fairly quickly. You know, that the, the, within 
sometimes in the first lesson, and certainly within four to six individual lessons or, or classes if they're coming, especially if the classes are ones that are targeted to to people dealing with these kind of conditions. I often run hands and arms classes uh, at my mm-hmm. office. Um, then they they should, you know, I'd be hoping that if Southern Coast is going to work for them, they're going to see some improvement uh, fairly immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit of time for the person to get the sense, especially if it's a class, of how to do it and and do it mm-hmm. in a way that's more helpful to them. Um, but certainly pain reduction, hopefully some improvement in blood flow and, and hand warming, um, you know, some ease in breathing, some more comfort in sitting. You know, they're the kind of things. Improvement in sleep is quite common too. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So um, they're the kinds of ex- things I'm expecting and looking for early on. Now then the amount of time it takes for somebody to you know, recover substantially. And, and there I'm thinking about, is there a significant reduction in pain? Is there a significant reduction on the impact of the repetitive strain injury on their lives, like, for example, sleep or a mood, you know, or and then mood affects relationships and things like that. Um, and, then, and then in function, you know, uh, uh, slowly improving the ability to, possibly use a keyboard but also like carry groceries or hold their child or or whatever shampoo your hair Um, yeah that's right brush your hair do your teeth that's right sleep in different positions there's a whole lot of very fundamental human functions that 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 can be challenged by these kinds of injuries and that's very hard very hard for people including me you know i was i i came to the film quest work as you said through having this kind of injury. So, um, but then how quickly they improve, I think it usually, I'm always looking at what was the amount of time between when they first had symptoms and -hmm. when they first started doing things that helped them. And the things that helped them might have been acupuncture or, or having time off work or or you know whatever whatever it is using contrast bars it might be some other modality that started to help them improve or when they first started with the Feldenkrais um, how much time between the first symptoms and when they started to get things that relieved the symptoms and then how much they can reduce or eliminate going forward how much can they reduce or eliminate the things that trigger the the RSI pain and symptoms and are, are probably co- contributing to to the RSI uh condition so so you know somebody who has a shorter time between when the symptoms started and if they didn't get really bad and then they started finding things that helped that means the recovery time's going to be shorter if they can get time off work or you know, use voice software or or recently I had an academic who had a student appointed to them on a work study, you know, some way where they can reduce the amount of computing or or if it's RSI from something else, uh, you know, being a mechanic or an electrician or whatever, if they can have a change of duties or whatever that reduces the amount of time that they're doing the thing that's causing the injury and triggering the symptoms, then yes. that will also speed the recovery. So then a, a, a significant improvement might occur anywhere from 
three weeks to three years and then then I have clients you know who come back years later to class or something and say you know I got a lot of improvement in three months or three years but then you know it took seven years or so to really be substantially free of the symptoms and then often people really still have to manage it they have to use good pens they have to think about how much computing they do they have to make sure they get enough sleep they've got to be careful about you know how heavy the groceries are they carry so often people still have to manage the injury for many years going forward if there's residual nerve damage or tissue damage or something yes i think it's it's always better to be cautious Uh, doing Mm -hmm. less is not a problem but doing a little bit more even on just one day can really set you back with your yeah, and people have to monitor that and see, mm-hmm. find out what they can do on any one day. Sometimes yes. people really learn to monitor, this feels like today might be tough. I don't think I'll do that that stuff on the computer today. I think I'll leave that for tomorrow. Yeah. Or, I have know, the today. hand bank. You know, how much hand juice <laughs> do you have in your hand bank today and how are you going to spend exactly. it, you know? That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good yeah. metaphor. Mm. Well, um, thank you so much for all this valuable information. Um, can you tell our listeners how to, uh, do you have a website you can direct people to? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so um, I have a couple of articles actually on my uh, home practice website. I, it's feldenkraissf.com so I'm going to have to spell that because Feldenkrais is one of those words it's the name of the the man who invented the method so it's www.feldenkraissf.com so that's F-E-L-D-N-K-R-A-I-S S-F dot com and uh, yeah if you look at the resources page there there's a couple of articles down at the bottom on uh, Feldenkrais method and repetitive strain injuries and, and some general stuff about repetitive strain injuries and causes. And, and you have yeah. a DVD or a CD, don't you? On yeah, that? yeah, I have a CD. I have uh-huh. 12 Feldenkrais awareness through movement lessons on uh, CD. People can order that online? Yeah, yeah. And so you could get there from clicking the link at the bottom of the pages I just mentioned, or we also have a, a direct website for for those uh, CD uh, programs, and they're on a website called Learning for Health. So it's www.learningforhealth.com. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking with you, Cliff. And, uh, it's a great pleasure, and there's so much more to say, but, but I'm glad. Well, we'll have to time. plan another <laughs> another episode, and if any of our listeners want to ask a question of Cliff Smith, please email me, and um, please follow uh, when you're you know, on the website for Blog Talk Radio. Please follow the show so that you'll know when our new episodes are coming up. And until next time, take good care of your hands. Bye. Thanks, Deborah. All right. Bye, Cliff. Thank you.